Estás escuchando un mensaje de parte de Vida City Church Houston. Para más información de nuestra iglesia, visita nuestra página de web en vidacch.org. Y ahora con ustedes, el mensaje. You are listening to a message from Vida City Church Houston. For more information about our church, visit our website at vidacch.org. And now with you, today's message. I'd like to speak for a few moments off of this verse. It's real, a real easy verse, a real simple verse, but yet deep and profound in in its content, Isaiah 34, verse 16. It says, Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. Isaiah 34, 16 in the International Standard Version says, Study and read from the book of the Lord. The message says it this way, Get and read God's book. I would like to speak for a few moments using as a subject God's love letter. God's love letter. The Bible, the book that we used to at one time bring to church, that we used to carry, that now we have it in our iPhones and our iPads and um, by the time I'm done reading the scripture, you're still trying to download the app and see where it's at. But anyway, this is God's love letter to all of us. And sadly to say that we have lost the desire, the eagerness to read God's love letter. A student at a theological seminary was sitting in class when one day one of the professors stood up and told the class that it was impossible for humans to understand the Bible. He challenged from that day on every student every day, trying to convince him that the Bible, this book, could not be understood. Finally, one of the students who was a Christian and saved stood up and raised his hand and said, uh, Mr. Professor, I, I, I don't want to insult you. I don't really want to hurt your feelings, and um, I don't really want to burst your bubble, but I can, I can understand the Bible. I can understand it. He said, you're telling me that you can understand the Bible? He said, I'm a professor. I've been studying the Bible for years, and I cannot understand it. The student tells him, it could be possible that you may not understand the Bible because you don't know the guy upstairs. He says, this book is God's love letter that he wrote to his children. And maybe that's why you don't understand it because maybe you're not one of his child, children. And it could be that we have pulled away 
from knowing who God is that this book really means nothing anymore or is as important as it was when we first got saved. This is God's love letter to humanity. This, this book is something that I think and I pray that we can once again have an appetite for to read, to search out, to make it our habit to read the Word of God and once again whet our appetite to want to spend time in reading God's love letter to us. This is a book that is known as the Bible, God's love letter. And perhaps it's the world's greatest seller. This book is a book that has been ambushed by many. Scholars have tried to laugh it out of court and public buildings. Not only that, but philosophers have talked down about the Bible. It's even been ambushed behind the pulpit stand, and it's been ambushed behind college desks. It's been ambushed even behind science laboratories. And yet, with all of that, the Bible still lives. This book, the Bible, has outlived its critics, that even those that said that it would not last, that it would not be true, even in their funerals, it's been quoted Hello. This book called the Bible, there's a reason that it's a book that continues to survive the tests and storms of life because it is a library with, within itself. It's a divine library composed of 66 books that include various forms of literature such as history, biography, poems, proverbs, hymns, and even, even letters. It's divided into two parts, the New Testament or the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament having 39 books in it and the New Testament having 27 books in it. In the Old Testament, there are five books of the law. There are 12 books of history. There are five poetical books. There are five major prophets, and there are 12 minor prophets. In the New Testament, there are four gospels or four books of gospels. There's one book of history. There's one book of prophecy. There are 14 Pauline epistles, and then there are also seven general epistles. This book, God's love letter to us, Interesting enough that there are 1,189 chapters. There are 31,102 verses. There are 783,137 words. And there are 3,116,480 letters, individual letters that make up this one book. This one book, God's love letter, has been written about one man, a man that has over 10,000 events written about him from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. This is his book. This is his story. This is his history. The Old Testament conceals while the New Testament reveals. 
the Old Testament promises while the New Testament produces. The Old Testament is centered around Moses. The New Testament is centered around Jesus. In the Old Testament, Moses turned the water into blood. In the New Testament, Jesus turned the water into wine. In the Old Testament, the sheep would die for the shepherd. In the New Testament, the shepherd gave his life for the sheep. Hello, somebody. Even though this is an unusual book, the Old and the New Testament are centered around mountains in the Old Testament. You have Mount Ararat where the Ark of Noah rested on and landed. You have Mount Sinai where Moses received the law. You have Mount Pesgah where God showed Moses the promised land and Mount Nebo where God buried Moses. You also have Mount Zion where David understood and found out that God is a strong tower in times of trouble. You also have Mount Carmel where Elijah defied the God that would answer with fire. But also in the New Testament it also also centered around mountains. You have what's called Mount Olives where Jesus spent the night praying. You have Mount Hermon where Jesus was transfigured and you have Mount Calvary where Jesus was crucified and gave his life for us. It's an unusual book. It's a mystifying book. This book called the Bible. It's the only book that reveals the mind of God. It's the only book that reveals the state of man. It's the only book that teaches us and reveals to us the way of salvation. It's the only book that reveals the sinner's condemnation and also the believer's contentment. It, it is the only book that, that has the power of God unto salvation. It, it, it is a fountain of our present help for the body, for the soul, and for the spirit. This is God's love letter to us. This book shares with us generation, degeneration, and regeneration because man started in a generation but because of sin all of a sudden there was degeneration but thank God because of Jesus there is now regeneration I've come to tell you you see that that nature formed us sin deformed us prison reforms us school informs us but only God can transform us can somebody say amen to that only God can transform us you ought to thank God that your life has been transformed your life has been redeemed your life has been changed and it's all because of the word of God that came and spoke to us and convicted us of our sins and brought us to Jesus Christ to change us and make something new out of us you see you got to understand that this book it's universal in its appeal. It's, it's reasonable in its teaching. It's uh, doable in its conflict. It's also far-reaching in vision. It's also accurate in its prophecy. And it's simple in its application. But you, you've got to read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy because it is the traveler's map. And, and this book is the pilot's compass. It is the soldier's a sword. It is the Christian's character. Yes, this is an unusual book, but it is God's love letter to all of us covering a period of over 1,000 800 years written in three different countries Europe Asia and Africa it was written by different men of every walk of life but all these men had had one author the author 
who has penned this book is the Holy Spirit. For the next few moments, I'd like to share some things about God's love letter. I want to share with you the person of the Bible, the people or the power of the Bible, the promises of the Bible, God's love letter to us. The person of the Bible is Jesus himself. From the very beginning of Genesis all the way through Revelations, you will find Jesus in every book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You'll find Jesus in every part of the Bible being referenced. The Bible says in John 1.1, it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But then in John 1.14, it says, the Word was made flesh, dwelt among us, and he beheld his glory. We beheld his glory, that of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth, meaning that Jesus himself is the person of this book. Acts 17, 28, it says that in him we live and in him we move and in him we have our being. Romans 10, 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that the Lord Jesus, and it says you shall, and it says that you shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 1 3 says all things were made by him and first John 1 4 says and in him was life. Life was the light of man. All I'm trying to tell you is that the person of this book is Jesus Christ. He's the person of the book. As a matter of fact God says you cannot come to me as the father unless you go through him. Hello somebody. Jesus is the person of this book it's God's love letter to us letting us know I love you so much that I sent my son Jesus I sent him he became flesh dwelt among you and he's the reason why I love you that I gave him to you to die for your sins and for my sins you want to know God you got to know Jesus if you want to see how much God loves see how much Jesus loves. He's the main character and the person of the Bible. Not only that, but the people of the Bible. The person of the Bible is Jesus. But this book from cover to cover is filled with the lives of many people. Not one of those people was perfect. They all had issues. They all had some kind of drama. Yet the people in the Bible are an example of God's love and God's mercy. The people in the Bible, in this God's love letter, 
are there to show you and to show me that it doesn't matter where you've been and it doesn't matter what you've done. There is a God that has mercy. There is a God that forgives. There is a God that loves. And it doesn't matter who and how you are. His power, his love, and his grace can transform you, can change you, and make you to serve God for his purpose. Ask Abraham who had a lying issue and lied about his wife. You need to read it in God's love letter. Ask Noah who was the first person to introduce to this world what drunkenness was. Ask Moses. Moses who was a murderer and he stuttered yet God used him to lead a nation and make it a great prophet. Ask Jacob who was a deceiver yet God chose him to choose his own personal nation out of, out of Jacob. Yes David who committed adultery and he murdered yet God states and speaks for him and says that he is a man after my own heart. Ask Miriam who murmured and gossiped uh, uh, against the man of God, yet she was a prophetess, the first prophetess in the Bible, yet she was the one that led the people in dancing as they crossed the Red Sea. Ask Rahab who was a prostitute yet became one of the grandmothers of Jesus Christ. I've come to tell you it doesn't matter where you've been and what you've done. This love letter, this God's love letter to you is to let you know I love you, I need you, I want you, I can change you. Ask Peter, hot-tempered, that denied Christ not once, not twice, but three times, but yet became one of the key members and one of the key people to lead the Christian or the beginning of the early church into movement of great revival asked Timothy that all he did was to doubt everything that Jesus did, but at the end became a faithful servant. Ask Mary Magdalene, who was possessed by demons, yet she got delivered, transformed, and followed Jesus and was one of the first ladies that when Jesus was buried, that she was at the tomb and was the first one to hear that Jesus was alive and had resurrected. A, a person that was demon-possessed, changed by the power of God, I'm here to tell you this love book or this love letter from God is full of people in this play, in the Bible. People like Paul who was a murderer and yet became one of the biggest apostles and wrote more in the New Testament than anybody else asked the Samaritan woman who was divorced five times who was a sex addict and yet became one of the first evangelists when Jesus had an encounter with her. She went back to tell them what Jesus had done. It doesn't matter where you've been and what you've done. There's a love letter from God that says, I love you, I forgive you, and I can change you. Yet all these people in the Bible are here to show us that no matter what we have done, God desires to save us and to use us for his purpose. The person of this love letter is Jesus. The people in this love letter are people to show us what God can and is willing to do even for us as he did for them. But then there's the power of this book. The power of this book. The Bible says in Psalms 62:11 that the power belongeth to God. Jeremiah 23:29 says, "Is not my word like as a fire and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces?" See the word of God is so powerful that when you read it, it has the power to convict you and convict me of sin. The Bible says in Acts 2.37, 
It says, now when they had heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we got to do to be saved? What do we have to do to change from our sinful lifestyle? This book is power. The Bible says that it is the power of God unto salvation. It convicts us of sin, but it also has the power to regenerate. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth in us. When we read this word, God's love letter, it begins to regenerate our lives. It begins to sustain us. It helps us to fall short. It helps us. You know, I have a, my, my, my grandson, we, he has a little truck that you have to charge so that he can drive it. Basically, that's what I'm doing. I'm regenerating it. I'm keeping it from the battery to come low. Hello. I'm keeping it to the point that when he wants to get on, that it won't start. And so you plug it up. That's what the power of the Bible does. That when you read it, it begins to regenerate. Everything that is weak, everything that is dying, that shouldn't be dying, it begins to regenerate. That you could live God and serve God and know that God is there to help you. It not only regenerates the power of God's word, also produces faith. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you hear the word of God, it produces hope. It produces faith to believe that God's word is true and that God is faithful and that God can do what he said that he can do. It produces faith and it produces hope. The word of God does that when you read it. God's love letter. Let me see if I can explain it this way. I was 15 years old. I met my wife when she was 14. At 15, I went to Bible school. My brother-in-law, Israel, and I studied, uh, well, your brother uh, studied uh, with me in Durango. And then I transferred, and my brother-in-law, Israel Chato, we graduated together. But my wife, that's now my wife, girlfriend, when we were 14 years old, she would write to me. We didn't have none of this Facebook. We didn't have this FaceTime. Hey, how you doing? You know, we talked and said, you got... You got maybe 10 minutes to talk because this is a collect call. Huh? She would write me letters, take two weeks to get there. The interesting thing is that my wife, my wife is dyslexic, okay? So she can write backwards. Normally, normally we would write like this, right? She writes like this. So in order for me to read the letters, I had to put them up to a mirror see the mirror, and now I could read what she was saying to me. But I, I couldn't wait to get those love letters. She would always finish it with her lips, with lipstick. And she'd put some kind of perfume on the letter. So I was always waiting every two weeks, there's a letter that's coming. There's a letter that's coming, okay? And, you know, people look at me funny because I have this little mirror. What are you doing with the mirror? Reading the letter because it's backwards. And whenever I'd feel two weeks, I mean, being at an, in another country in Mexico, the first time I'd ever been out. So receiving those love letters were, were encouraging, you know, because you could think, wow, we're so far away. What if some other guy's busting a move on her and, 
you know, next thing I know, you know, I'm going to get a letter saying, hey, like her mom. You know, I try to do everything the right way. So I write a letter to my mother-in-law who's now in heaven. And uh, she wasn't my mother-in-law yet. And after she responded to me, I didn't want her to be my mother-in-law. But I write a letter and I say, hey, just want to let you know that, you know, I'm here at the Bible school. And, you know, I received the call from God. And I accepted the call. And God is doing some great things. And, by the way, I just want to let you know I'm, I met your, your daughter, Patsy. Just want to ask permission if she could be my girlfriend and, uh, you know. Two days late, two weeks later, I'm getting uh, this. I don't know if it was two weeks. It might have been a week. I don't know if she expressed it to me or what. I get the letter. Hey, you know, hey, she would call me Junior. Junior, I'm so glad that God is still calling young men and women to ministry. You know, I'm already getting wow. And I'm so glad that people are still responding to the call to reach the world and their generation. There's no better higher calling. And I'm, I'm becoming a one of those uh, uh, peacocks, you know, whoa, you know, and, and no doubt that God has a calling in your life and that God will use you, da, 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 you know, I'm already, yeah, and then she goes, oh, by the way, as far as being Patsy's boyfriend, no, I don't want anyone or anything to hinder her worshiping and serving God, God bless you. So I would tell my mother-in-law, the reason I married Patsy was to get back at you. But what I'm getting at, I don't know if you ever had anybody write to you letters, love letters. Like I said, I was in Bible school at 15 years old in Durango, Mexico, and then in Matamoros. Patsy lived in uh, San Angelo, long distance. But I was looking forward to those love letters. How I love you. Let me count the ways. Oh, no, those are the ones I copied, sent her. But anyway, um, just to hear her heart, you know, hope you're doing well. I miss you so much. Can't wait to see you. When are you coming by? And, you know, my dad, because at that time, at first, we lived in Michigan when she lived in San Angelo. But I was in Bible school in Mexico. So my dad would actually, instead of going like this to Michigan, he'd go up like this and down just so that I could see Patsy for about an hour because we had to get back to Michigan. But those letters inspired, that's what this book is. This is God's love letter to you and God's love letter to me. That if we were to read it more often, we'd get that ah feeling. We'd get that aha kind of takeaway. God loves me. Man, everything that you want, if you like drama, it's in there. If you like violence, it's in there. Huh? Gouging, gouging Samson's eyes out, cutting Goliath's head. Hello? Huh? It's all in there. You like romance. Song of Solomon is in there. If you like to... Do, what did they call that when you, you, you're trying to find your history? What's it called? Your ancestry. Hey, you like go, doing all that? Go to numbers. It'll tell you and so 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 and so. We got so and so and so and so and so. It's like a census. It's all in there. It's God's love letter for you and God's love letter for me. 
It has power to convict. It has power to generate. It has power to produce faith. But it also, the word of God has power to assure you and me that we have eternal life with Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 John 5 verse 13, These things I have written unto you, these things I have written unto you, that you may know that ye have eternal life. I have written my letter, my love letter to you, so that you know that uh, you have eternal life, even unto you that believeth in the name of the Son of God. There's the person in the Bible that's Jesus. The people in the Bible that are there to tell you, he did it for us. Our life was a mess and turned it around. He can do it for you. The power of the Bible that regenerates, that convicts, that produces faith, that trust and believe God, that assures us the power that we have eternal life, but then the promises of the Bible. The promises of the Bible. I remember when I would write to Patsy and I promise I'll see you on such date or I promise I'll call you, you know. It's going to be a short call because it's long distance, but I'll call you, you know. I promise. And there were times when I would break the promise. It didn't happen. I couldn't make it happen. I didn't have enough money in my <laughs> to call or collect. Um, but God is a God that doesn't break promises. His promises are true. His promises are amen and yes. And all these promises are for you and for me. There are 7,147 promises in this book that are yours and that are mine. Remember I said the Old Testament promises, the New Testament produces. Jesus said when he took communion with his disciples, this is my blood of better promises better promises. There are 7,147 promises in this love letter of God. Some of these promises is God will always be with you. So therefore, you need not to fear. I love the way my son, Elazar, speaks to his, his son, my grandson, Elazar IV. He has certain phrases, and little Z will, will finish them. One of those is, Daddy will always, and little Z will say, take care of me. I have certain phrases. One of them is, who loves you the most? Jesus. And after Jesus, who loves you the most? Grandpa. Promises. We sometimes make promises to our grandchildren, and then, Somehow something happens and you can't fulfill it. And how does he feel? How do you feel when promises have been broken? But God, he has no option but to fulfill. The song, last song that they sang, if he dresses the lilies, he's going to clothe you. He's Jehovah Jireh. He meets all of your needs. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's there when you're sick and will heal your body. But all that comes through the love letter. You trust. The more you read, the more you trust. The more you read, the more you believe. 
And the more you trust and the more you believe, the bigger faith you have. The bigger faith you have, it's easy to believe that God can do what he said he was going to do. So one of those promises, uh, I, I will always be with you. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, you don't have to be afraid. Another of those promises that God is always in control. That's one of the problems that we have is that we always want to be in control. Why? Because we don't read enough to trust that God has everything in control. He has the whole world in his hands. He has your world in his hands. Everything's going to be all right. And so God is always in control. So if he's always in control, then you don't have to doubt. Another thing about the Bible is that God is always good. Because of Jesus, God is good. Before Jesus, the wages of sin was going to be death. But now because of Jesus Christ, it's the gift of God to be justified, to have mercy on us. So you can trust that God is always good. Everything he does is good. It may not be to your reasoning and to your liking, but everything God does is good. He's an on-time God. Two more. God is always watching. So you don't have to falter. God is always watching. Finally, God is always victorious. And if he's always victorious, then you don't have to worry about failing because he's got you. He's got this. All that, though, is produced by how much we read and believe the word of God. His love letter. His love letter. So as we get to celebrate with our spouses or our loved ones tomorrow, Valentine's Day, can you at least take time to read his love letter to you for Valentine's Day and find out how much he really cares and loves you? As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Maybe we need to appreciate the Bible more than what we have before. It is the manual of the Christian belief. Our life guided by his word his promises are in his word it's his love letter for you it's his love letter for me so if you haven't read it in a while chances are that's why you feel that God's not there that's why you feel that God has forgotten you or you feel that God doesn't love you you feel that God doesn't care. Read God's love letter to reassure you that he cares for you when you need you.